Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No This is an all-out blitz. Real hard hits. The mother podcast trash. We gon' make them all quit. We cover all the topics with intelligence and logic. I know you want to score, but ID gon' stop it. We from Texas. So that mean that we Texans breaking down the X's and O's our profession. No complaining, just training. You see the progression. They had a pro bowl for talking. Hey everyone and welcome to the Texans Fan Battle Podcast. I'm your host tonight, Matthew Briggs. And as always with me, I got my amazing trio. Uh, first off, I got Mr. Brown Chubby Bear. BT, say what's up to you, folks. What's going on, guys? And as always, I got my A1 since day one, Mr. Crinsaw. Uh, his video is not working right now, but Chris, I can you hear us. Are you with us? Well, it looks like he's not with us. Uh, we'll let him get situated. Uh, guys, when me and Chris first started this, we had a list of people that we really want to get on. Uh, one was uh, the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer, Drew Dari. Now we wanted to get John McClain. Today, we finally achieved that goal. We have. Um, from Gallery Sports and Radio 610, GalleriSports.com, uh, Mr. John McClain. How you doing, sir? Guys, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. we so glad that you're on here. Uh, how you ready for this, the playoffs? For the longest time, when I started covering the Oilers, they went to the playoffs and were Super Bowl contender during the Love You Blue era. And then they went through this terrible down period, and there were two highlights of the year, the first game of the season and the draft. And they weren't in the playoffs, so they went from 80, and then they made it again in 87, and they were awful during that period. But they were signing Warren Moon, drafting guys like Bruce Matthews, Mike Munchak, Dean Steinkuhler, Haywood Jeffries, Ernest Givens, and Blaine Ray Childress. Blaine Bish, yeah. they stockpiled mm-hmm. a lot of talent during that era and went to the playoffs seven years in a row. We knew they'd go to the playoffs every year. It's just a matter where they finally going to get to the Super Bowl. Then Bill O'Brien comes in after Gary Kubiak went twice. And now, though, the only way we can enjoy the playoffs is with other teams in there. And I hope I'm still on this side of the grass by the time they make the playoffs again, because that may be a while. But uh, <laughs> So I get excited for the playoffs every year because it's just a great time in the NFL. It's a new season. Everybody gets pumped up. I just wish that so many good players were not hurt, especially mm-hmm. a guy like Lamar Jackson, quarterback for the Ravens, because that game against Cincinnati should be a lot closer if he were playing. 
And and you got two of uh, get out for the Bills. That's going to be a, a a tough one for the Dolphins as well. So, two played that great game in Buffalo in the bad weather. It's probably the best mm-hmm. game he's ever played, mm-hmm. and they almost won. Now they've got to go with a rookie quarterback, and uh, I feel terrible for him. Although Teddy Bridgewater still says he's holding out hope to start, but when you go into the playoffs and your quarterback is not healthy and can't play. You're going in with one arm, one hand and one arm tied behind your back. Yes, sir. Well, before we talk about the Texans, real quick, who is your Super Bowl prediction? Who who do you think is going to make it? Before the season, I wanted to be different, and I picked the Chargers. I picked the Chargers. I picked Justin Herbert to be the MVP. They've had a lot of injuries. I was asked this week, for a Super Bowl dark horse that nobody's picking. I said, well, in AFC, you got three teams that everybody loves because of their quarterbacks. And in the NFC, you got a great defense in San Francisco, the best overall team in Philadelphia, especially if Jalen Hurts is close to 100%. But he wanted a dark horse. So I said, well, since I picked the Chargers and Justin Herbert before the season, I would say them. And that's one of the first-round games I'm most interested in is Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence. We're going to see those guys for a long time. Really talented quarterbacks, prototype size. I'm pumped about it. So I told them the Chargers. All right. I I, I personally got the Chiefs and the Niners, uh, but I think the Niners are going to lose in the Super Bowl because of Brock Purdy. But all right, I, I like Well, that. I would never pick the Chargers to win it. I was saying a dark horse. I could pick the Chiefs every year with Andy Reid back from home. <laughs> I think they're going, and I think ideally they go against Philadelphia, the most balanced team in the mm. playoffs. But also because I've known D'Amico Ryan since 2006. I love the guy. I wouldn't mind seeing a good old-fashioned offense versus defense Super Bowl with the Chiefs going against the 49ers. Yes, sir. Well, I'm glad you brought up D'Amico Ryan. Let's jump into some Texans talk. Um you know, J.J. Watt just retired, and we, we talked about how, how great of a Texan he was. John, do you see um, J.J. Watt signing a one-day one, year, a one day deal where he retires as a Texan? I do. You don't go into the Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, as playing for somebody like baseball where they have their cap. But I think J.J., after 10 years here, will definitely do that. I think he'll be in the ring of honor next season. I think the ideal game to do it would be the Steelers when his brothers are going to be here. And I think the NFL, don't wait till later in the season when the Texans can be bad again. Do it early, like the first game. Bring the Steelers in, have the Watt family there, and have J.J. going in the ring of honor with Bob McNair and Andre Johnson. You know, J.J., I was so happy for him because he battled injuries to finish on a hot streak, 12 and a half sacks, to go out on top. I thought he'd play a couple more years. You see more defensive linemen playing into their mid-30s because they can play the run, and J.J. could, but he really turned it on over the last month. I know it means a lot to him. I'm like you guys. I can't wait to see what's next. I'm guessing studio work for either one of the networks or Amazon or if I'm YouTube, and I paid $2.5 billion to get them. I want to be young. I'm going after like Sean McVay if he follows through with his retirement. And J.J. Watt, who's two years younger. And I want and Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. And those guys. Gronk, is, um, Gronk hadn't shown a lot of interest in doing that. Gronk okay. is so 
such a comedian. He would be more for like Nickelodeon to me. <laughs> All right. Well, um, speaking of J.J. Watt in the Hall of Fame, uh, we know you uh, get a selection of the Hall of Fame. Um, Andre Johnson, uh, do you think it's the year that he makes it or does he get another year to wait? I presented him last year. He made the cut from 15 to 10. He's among the 15 finalists again. It's hard to go in our meeting with 48 of us and two of the other committee members, Tony Dungy and Bill Polian, coached and drafted mm-hmm. Reggie Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne and Andre are finalists again. But they didn't make the cut from 15 to 10, and I'm hoping they don't. Andre did. If you make the oh, cut wow. to 10, okay. then you make the cut to five, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame, even okay. though you still have to vote. So I make my presentation next week with him. I'm also presenting Chuck Howley, great cowboy linebacker who retired after the 73 season. I'm on the seniors committee as well. And I'm presenting him as I did to our seniors committee. And he's got Alzheimer's real bad. He's 86 years mm. old. And he doesn't know what planet he's on. But uh, for his family and his former teammates' sake, I am do everything I can to help Chuck and Andre. I told Andre, you know, very seldom anymore do we put in Hall of Fame, receivers in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Now, we did Calvin Johnson. I was kind of surprised. Because Michael Irvin took three, Chris Carter took three, T.O. took three. Randy Moss took a couple too, didn't he? Yeah, no, Randy was he was was the first one. And so I told him, I said, if you don't make it, it's not because they don't think you deserve it, it's because they just got others they want to put in there. And I said, I can't ever tell you I'm confident. I'm never confident. I presented, let's see, Elvin Bethay, Mike Munchak, Bruce Matthews, Rob Brazil, Curly Culp. Uh, uh, Warren Moon, and um, there might be uh, another Brazil. Did I say Brazil? All those Oilers I presented, and then every with every one of them except Bruce Matthews, I was really nervous. I knew Moon would get it, but I knew Warren it meant a lot to him to get it on the first ballot, and I worked really hard. And he knows I did, and he made it, and he was deserving of it. Bruce was easy. I didn't sweat that one the night before, but all these others, I can't sleep the mm-hmm. night before our presentation. And then when we all watch the NFL Honors show to find out when they make it the week of the Super Bowl, I can't sleep the night before that either. And so I'm hoping that Andre gets it. He's definitely deserving because, as I point out in there, I say, you know, Reggie Wayne was a great receiver. He played with Peyton Manning. He played opposite Marvin Harrison. He had right. Edger James in the backfield. They're all in the Hall of Fame. Torrey Holt, Hall of Fame quarterback. Hall of Fame receiver opposite him. Hall of Fame left tackle. Hall of Fame running back. And I said, mm-hmm. here's Andre Johnson. Never played with a wideout opposite him with even 900 yards receiving. And here's the list of quarterbacks. They're right. going to be bored me listing those quarterbacks he played with <laughs> for second year in a row. Right. And plus, I mean, no, no, I'm not trying to downplay Gary Kubiak because I think Gary Kubiak was a great coach. But, I mean, Tony Dungy, I mean, he's such a great – Jim Moore, such a great coach. I mean, uh, they had some great coaches there in, in Indy, so – that kind of helps out a little bit as well. Yeah, well, you and I could have coached Peyton Manning. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, uh, real quick, uh, VT and, and Crenshaw, y'all think uh, Andre gets in this year? I, I start with you, Crenshaw. What do you think? 
I would love him in this year, but I doubt it. I think maybe one more year and he should, you know, be in the Hall of Fame. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. BT? I think he's got a good shot this year. I know he's going up some against some pretty tough competition, but I do think he's got a good shot. I think uh, our man here, John McClain, is going to put on a good presentation, and hopefully he gets in. One thing to keep in mind is the candidates. This Last year, we did not put any first ballot Hall of Famers in. I thought on – I thought DeMarcus Ware was a lock, one of the greatest pass rushers ever. Yeah. And this year, I think there's two locks, Joe Thomas, the great Cleveland left tackle, and Darrell Revis, one of the greatest cornerbacks in history. So that leaves three other spots for 13 other finalists, and I'm already getting nervous talking about it. Even though I've been doing this a long time, been on the committee, I think this is my 30th year. I still get butterflies. When we get closer to making those presentations, especially when I've got to make one that I know means so much to a player I know and so much to the fans. Right. And, uh, yeah, Andre is so, means so much to the city of Houston, even though he didn't finish his career here. I mean, he's still still a, uh, a Houston legend. So we, we totally – we're right behind you. I hope he makes it this year. Um, well, Mr. McLean, let's move on. Uh, Sunday night after the game, a, a lot of uh, stuff went down. Lovey Smith was let go of the head coach. Um, what can you kind of give us the, the details of why he was let go and and um, you know the future moving on? His team was awful. It was worse than the year before. <laughs> he had the worst offense with the worst offensive coordinator and play caller in Pat Hamilton I've ever seen. You, you, and, sound like, you sound like us every week, Mr. McClain. <laughs> I had said on Sports Radio 610 Twitter and written on gallerysports.com that he was gone. I knew he was gone. And so I wasn't surprised. And I and one thing I hate is teams that will, you know, they coaches have to talk after a game. And the talk after the game with the media was more about, oh, my God, you won. And you cost him the first pick. Well, Lovey wanted to win. And McNair's wanted to win because Serio players. And they should be congratulated for winning, even though most of us didn't want them to. So that was the focus, not his job situation. But um, making a coach come out on Monday morning and meet with the media and be being harangued about his job situation. To me, he's cruel and unusual punishment. Jeff Saturday had to do that in Indy. 
And he said, well, if I get rehired, major changes are coming. And I think, my God, who would even believe you have a chance <laughs> after closing the season with seven consecutive losses? And I just thought that was very unfair. They should have fired him after the game, not put him through an inquisition with the media. So Lovey, who was a compromise candidate, it was such a fiasco last year when Jack Easterby pushed so hard for two years to get Josh McCown hired. Five years from now, Josh McCown may be the best coach in the NFL, but he needs to start at a lower level and work his way up. But he'd been friends with Easterby over the FCA, very religious like Easterby for a long time. And Easterby did everything he could to get him that coaching job, and he almost pulled it off. You know, Brian Flores was the first to interview, and he added them to the lawsuit saying that he didn't think he got hired because of racism. And I said, he didn't get hired because they were going to hire Josh McCown. It's hard to charge racism when you end up hiring a black coach. So it was a fiasco plus you had all the Watson stuff. It was something new about Watson every day. And a coach they really liked among the ones they interviewed, Jonathan Gannon, defense coordinator of Philadelphia the last two years, 40 years old. He's going to get a job, and I'm assuming he's going to go down to the wire as one of them here although I think they'll go offense. And uh, and so then when they were about to name McCown, there was great controversy in the organization with a hierarchy because we were killing them in the local media, getting killed in the national media about Josh McCown. I felt bad for McCown. wasn't his fault. I mean, if you offered a guy a job for like $3 million a year and you never coached beyond high school, who wouldn't take it? But if they'd have hired him, Jack Easter, he'd been in his ear every day. Hey, bud, you owe me. Let's pray about it. And uh, they came to their senses, and there's Lovey, who'd been working with them, contacting people about candidates. And somebody said, well, what about Lovey? You know, Lovey. And and I, I likened it when Lovey took over to a to a, a flight that's got a lot of turbulence. And they get a guy gets his hands on the – and gets in the cockpit and he's – Slows everything down, gets it back on track. And uh, when Lovey was hired, his third job as an NFL head coach, he brought a calmness uh, to a sea of turmoil. And But that's not the way you want to hire your head coach. Now, Easterby's gone. Lovey's gone. David Culley's one of my all-time favorite people. We had lunch last week. Culley's still here playing a lot of golf. He may retire. He may take an offer as a receiver's coach. But I really like David a lot. And um, – so now they're going to hire a new coach. My personal favorite would be D'Amico Ryans because I've known him, like, like him a lot before the preseason game here this year that was on Amazon. I went over to the 49ers dressing room, and when he came in from pregame warm-ups, I shook hands, talked to him a minute, and I said, let me be the first to congratulate you on your new NFL head coaching job. And he laughed and walked away shaking his head. And uh, I'd love to see him here. A lot of fans would, but uh, I have no idea if they're going to hire him. and uh, But I know this, he'll get interviewed. And the 49ers people, I've talked to them this week, they fully expect him to be gone and uh, follow, follow Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator getting a head coaching job. Yeah. Um, can you clarify one thing for us, Mr. McClain, that all, all these Texan fans rant and rave and, and think they're experts. Yes, D'Amico Ryans had a lawsuit against the Texans for the injury, but that has nothing to do with the head coaching, correct? 
Thank you. They, they <laughs> love D'Amico. They don't care that D'Amico sued them in the in the stadium. Uh, no, they don't care about that any more than they care that David Mulligetter rec- represents C.J. Stroud. We got another three months to go in this evaluation process. Stroud could end up being the number one rated player over Bryce Young. It's too early to know, even though the fans love Bryce Young. But if you watch the last game of C.J. Stroud's last two seasons, he was magnificent. And I was at the college football playoff, and I watched what Georgia did to TCU, and I thought, man, what C.J. Stroud did to Georgia is even more impressive because he almost beat him, and he was great. So David Mulligetta represents him. People are saying, well, would the Texans pass him up because of Mulligetta? No because Watson was a totally separate situation. I can tell you this, Mulligetta gets to the second contract. He says, hey, guys, by the way, I want a no-trade clause. They're going to say, bleep you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, you know, there is a long list of head coaches. Uh, One that came out today was Sean Payton. Now, we got a um, a comment right here. I have a question for Mr. McClain. Can a player uh, a player be traded for a coach such as Sean Payton? This is a wide debate on the internet, uh, even amongst beat writers, with no clear answer to be found. Uh, you can trade anything. Uh, there's 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 a lot of reports on the internet that I think are got to be preposterous <laughs> that the Saints would want a first round pick. Why in the world would they want just a first round pick for a great coach? Do you guys know what John Gruden brought the Raiders? Two ones, two twos, and eight million. And if Gruden brings two ones, two twos, and eight million, I'm guessing that Sean Payton's going to bring a little bit more. Now, he said in an interview last week that the most important thing for him is ownership. And right now, considering the Texans are about to hire their fifth coach in four years, and if you count Romeo Cornell as interim, or their fourth in four years, they don't have a lot of stability. Now, people around the NFL respect the heck out of Nick Casario. He's with the Patriots for 20 years. He does contracts. He's the cap guy. He'd been an assistant coach twice. So even though people here, there's some nincompoops out there think he should be fired, and he's just been on the job two years in a total rebuild. And uh, I don't think what's happened will have an effect. The coach is going to want to know why. The agent's going to want to know why. If you say, well, here's why, and here's $5 million a year on a five-year deal, they're going to say, okay, that's good. And I think they'll get a good coach. They just have to make sure they hire the right guy. Peyton, uh, he is a control freak like Jim Harbaugh. He wants control of everything. Even though Mickey Loomis had the title of general manager, he had it in his contract. He made all personnel decisions. I was told by a friend with the Saints, said he controlled what pens and pencils went out and oh, which wow. ones didn't. And uh, But he's a great coach. He's a great offensive coach. And if they hired him, that would rule out Bryce Young because he said on TV two weeks ago, he doesn't think you should hire draft undersized guys early. And somebody said, well, you would have bypassed Drew Brees in in the first round if uh, you go by that. And I don't think you can make any blanket statements like that. And I know the Texans certainly haven't. Some people told me, well, Tom Brady's 6'4". Casario doesn't like small quarterbacks because of Brady. I said, when they drafted him in the sixth round, they had no clue 
You want to be Tom Brady. Uh, hey, give me a break. And he was there every year. So, of course, they loved him. So there's so much to go, so much time to go. I would think since Casario has in his contract, he has final say of personnel. And I'm writing a column for Gallery Sports that will be posted Thursday about a couple of his quotes he gave Monday that uh, he'd understand if a new coach wanted control of personnel like I would step aside. Well, number one, he's not resigning because if he did, he'd walk away from $20 million on the last four years of his contract. And if he were still there and he didn't have control of personnel, why would they want to pay him $5 million a year? He's a personnel guy. So he tried to clarify that on Sports Radio 610 this morning, and I'll have that in my story. But I'll be very surprised if Sean Payton comes here. But I'm all for interviewing people that are good because even if you don't hire them, you can learn things. You can learn about offense from Sean Payton. And so I'd be recording those interviews. So if I heard somebody else, I'd say, by the way, here's our interview with Sean Payton in case you want to pay it to any attention to it. All right. Well, if you were a betting man and we had to put some money on the line, who would you say is going to be the uh, Houston Texans head coach uh, 2023? I'm guessing it'll be a younger offensive guy. And Shane Steichen from um, Philadelphia, of the, of the six on their list, he has been a coordinator the longest, three years. D'Amico's been oh, wow. two. One of the others, two. Ben Johnson, Detroit, one year. Mike My Tomlin is coordinator for one year. And when they hired Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh, the media and the fans went crazy. How can you hire a guy that's been a coordinator one year? And they weren't even very good. Uh, Ted Thompson, the late great oiler player plus GM of the Packers, told me when he hired Mike McCarthy, from the 49ers, I said, why did you hire him? He hadn't done squat. And he's, and everybody else wanted them him not to hire him. But he had in his contract, he had that power. And he said, I thought, I learned this from Ron Wolf. if you have a guy you want, you better get him. Because if you don't and you're wrong, you're going to be going, oh, my God, what did I do? Where if you get the guy you want, hire him and it works out you'll be glad that you you followed your gut and so you have to have the courage of your convictions if you think he's the guy you got to hire him and the way the texans work cal mcnair say you're going to take a bigger role he can't take a bigger role he's been every in every interview back with Dom capers he has to sign off on everything so that sounded good the media and social media made a big deal out of it. He'll be in on every meeting. And so what they'll do is once Casario, they'll narrow it down. They'll have guys for second interviews. They'll bring them in. They might have somebody, two guys in for third interviews. David Cully and one of his good friends, Leslie Frazier from the Bills, came in here. They were the two finalists. And I think I heard that Leslie didn't take the job or didn't want to be offered the job because he wanted final say over all his coaches where Casario that first year wanted to play a big role in the hiring of coaches. He did that first year with Cully, and that's it. So they'll bring a guy in, Casario will say, okay, Cal, this is who I think. And unless the guy has Patriot ties or has changed planes at Logan International Airport or has flown <laughs> over Foxborough, I don't see the McNair saying no. 
All right. Well, uh, BTS, start with you. Who do you think is going to be the coach of uh, 2023? I'm uh, saying Shane Steichen, but he, he might get hired by one of the other teams. Well, my, my preference is Mike Kafka. Um, that's who I would rather have right now, who I think is probably my guest, Jonathan Gannon. I actually don't want Jonathan Gannon. As my, I mean, I would. I actually don't mind anyone on that list, frankly, but um, but I, I have concerns about Jonathan Gannon. Um, but while I have the mic, I, I'm, I have to ask the general this question because I promised every single one of my Twitter files I'll get some clarification on this. So I hope you can answer this question. We had Aaron Wilson on this show, and he said and we were talking about how Lovey got hired. And he said that, as you said, that Josh McCown was going to be the head coach. The dispute, however, is between Aaron Wilson and, say, other insiders that Aaron Wilson basically said, Cal stopped the Josh McCowan hire. Cal said, nope, this isn't going to happen. And other insiders are saying that Nick actually stopped that hire. So I, I want to know if you could tell me what happened. And the reason why this is important is because a lot of people, as you were saying, believe that Nick should get fired. And, could be, and one of the reasons they're saying is because how many general managers get a choice of three head coaches? And the argument there is, well, he didn't really, he didn't choose Lovey. Lovey was essentially forced upon him. Can you give us a little bit of clarification on that? Yeah, I've written it a million times, talked about it a million times, and tweeted <laughs> it a million times, but I'll be happy to do it again. In fact, I explained it earlier, but let me go back over everything. They were about to hire McCown, and they were getting blasted locally and nationally. They just gotten added to the lawsuit with Brian Flores. They had the controversy going on with Watson. They were a team in turmoil. And from what I understand, Hannah McNair talked to Cal about it. Then she talked to Nick about it. And they all stepped back. Not one person. Cal did not say, you cannot do this. It's not his style. He doesn't do that. And they took a step back and they said, okay, here's what's going to happen. If we do this, we need to do something else. And one of them, Nick Casario, said, well, let's talk to Lovey. Ask McNair's, what would you think, Lovey? Two-time NFL coach, former coach of the year, Super Bowl. He's right here. So they said, okay. They asked Lovey if he was interested. He said yes. They interviewed him informally on Sunday night, and then they interviewed him formally on Monday. They announced him late Monday, and they introduced him on Tuesday, and he brought a calming influence to all the turmoil that was going on. So Casario signed off on it, just like he signed off on uh, on uh, David Culley. But this is the first time there will be a quarterback hire with no strings attached, no turmoil, strictly Casario. And anybody that thinks that Casario should be fired when he's been on the job two years, to me, is, is I think I use the term nincompoop. <laughs> because what would you want when you come in? You didn't have a first-round pick the year before. You don't have first and second-round picks. Your cap situation is terrible. You have the controversy over Watson, no creation by you. You have a first-time head coach who's never been a coordinator, and the owner says tear it down and start over. And why would you want that guy who's been on the job now two years fired with four years left on his contract. I think he did a great job getting out of the Watson situation with the picks. He used one of those on Damian Pierce. He's got two first round picks, five in the first three rounds. He's got 11 overall, 10 next year. He's got the cap problem cleared up. I saw a thing on the internet that I'm going to use in my column 
somebody has a formula and they figured it up about the cap contracts can be redone and draft capital and the Texans were in the best spot of any team in the league. And that's because of Casario, but we're going to run him and do what? Hire who is GM. Okay. All right. Chris, what about you? Who thinks you'll be the 2023 head coach? Well, I like all the candidates, but um, I got to go with Jonathan Gannon mostly because his staff. I like um, what, what I read on the internet, who is DC and OC will be, so I got to go with Jonathan Gannon. Then number two, I have to go with D'Amico, you know, for the homecoming. Um, great story. I mean, you know, it gets the fans back into it and everything. So that's my take right there. The fans will be in it for one reason. If D'Amico's hired, Bryce Young's drafted, everybody will be happy. Then if they start the season with four losses in a row, everybody's going to say get rid of them. So the only thing that will get everybody consistently on the same uh, bandwagon would be to show improvement. That's what they wanted this year was to show improvement. And not only did they not show improvement, they took a step back. And I still think it's because Lovey turned over the offense to Pep, mm-hmm. let Pep fire the coaches, let Pep call the plays. Pep's the one that used Rex Burkhead. He should have been fired just because of that. In that first game, he <laughs> used Burkhead more than Pierce when we all watched the offseason preseason camp and Pierce was the star and Rex bleeping Burkhead gets 14 carries and they tie the Colts to me right there. I should have known, man, oh man, that's going to be a bad decision. And even though they backed off of Burkhead a little bit, you know, they still, when he shouldn't have been on the field, shouldn't even been on a team. He should be a coach. He's a great guy. He's smart. He's got heart. Everybody likes him. He just can't run. And, um, and Gannon is a popular choice, but I I don't see him going defense two years in a row. Uh, it wouldn't bother me. I'd love to see D'Amico. I wouldn't mind seeing Gannon. And uh, the guy from Denver, I don't know much about him other than he's the oldest candidate, and he was born in England, and uh, and that's it. And Broncos have a good defense, but that's kind of the Vic Fangio holdover. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't want to come in here with a coach who's going to run a 3-4. Then you're going to have to change your entire front seven and draft and free agency, and they've got that young defense in position to be a lot better. And I don't know if it'd be Stike, and I don't know if it'd be Campbell from Detroit. He's called plays for a year and a half, and Jared Goff has been tremendous. And everybody up there swears by him. Kafka, one year as a coordinator, and I'll tell you guys a story. I was told three years ago by a good friend of Andy Reid's that Andy Reid was hoping Eric Bieniemy would get a head coaching job, and then he could elevate Mike Kafka because he thinks Kafka is going to be a great coordinator and has what it takes to be a head coach. But you don't know for sure. But uh, in the Giants, of course, he didn't want to wait anymore, and he went to the Giants, and he did a tremendous job this year with Daniel Jones. Now, Brian Dable had a lot to do with that. But their offense, liking stars, except for Barkley, did a tremendous job. Won't surprise me at all if they don't get to the next round. But I wouldn't have a problem with Mike Kafka based on what I know about how high Andy Reid is on him. I wouldn't mind Ben Johnson because I think he did a great job with the Lions, especially uh, the second half of the season. Um, I, I think him and a rookie quarterback, I, I, I want somebody like him that can mold the quarterback. So I would like Ben Johnson, but you you can point at that list and pick a, a coach, and I'll be okay with it. Let me ask you all this. 
This this business is so cruel. Robert mm-hmm. Sala, he and Mike Mike Lafleur, Matt's brother, younger brother, Mike Mike followed him to the Jets, made him offensive coordinator, and um, I they they forced Robert Sala to fire his best man today, mm-hmm. in his wedding, and his good friend. And that obviously came from above his head. So they blamed him for Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco and Mike White. And it seems so unfair. I'll bet you next year he ends up back in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. But if D'Amico gets a head coaching job, D'Amico knows him very well. It wouldn't surprise me if D'Amico Ryans didn't have Mike LaFleur as his offensive coordinator. Hmm. Hmm. I wouldn't mind that. Remind that at all? I, I like that Kyle Shanahan type of offense, so I'll be I'll be okay with it. Well, Mr. McCrane, before we start talking draft, because we would want to get your insight on that, uh, we got a question from uh, Facebook from Chris Roy. He said, "Hey, General, with your uh, well-documented coverage of the Houston Oilers and the love and hate relationship we all had with them, do you like the idea of the alternate light blue color scheme of the Texan uniforms?" Uh, I believe the Texans will have new uniforms in 2024. I'm old school. I like the colors that they have now. I love those helmets. You know, if they're new uniforms or anything like that new helmet they unveiled, that'll be great. And that's about the time I would expect them to be really competitive and jump back into the AFC South race. It's a great division to be in if you need to rebuild fast. Now, Jacksonville has been rebuilding with high picks since, let's see, 67, 18, 19, 20, seven years, and it finally <laughs> paid off. Detroit's been longer than that. People complain about the Texans. Detroit's won one playoff game since the 50s, and uh, that's why I was hoping they would get in. because The I, last one against the Cowboys, was it not? That was Wayne Fonts was the coach. And I, I like to see the old franchises that have been suffering to do well and plus, I like Dan Campbell. I think he does a really okay. good job. But um, I, I, um, I, I can't wait for the time when it comes that the Texans turn it around and people get fired up again. We'll be fired up for the first game. And if that's not the white game, then we'll be fired up for that one. Hopefully, the Texans will avoid nine-game losing streaks, blowing games in the fourth quarter. Hopefully they won't bring back Rex Burkhead and play him. They just did so many things this season that were unnecessary. And uh, you hope a new coach brings in a kind of staff that's going to help them overcome that. And when they do get in those new color schemes, uh, maybe it'll be new colors, new uniforms, new team. And uh, so I'm looking forward to when the time that time comes. All right. Well, John, let's jump into, into some draft uh, talk. We know that we lost the number one pick, which I'm I'm okay with it. We still either get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. But there's a lot of questions uh, coming from the chat asking uh, what what do you think the Bears would do um, with that pick? Do you think they'll trade back? Do you see the Colts uh, try to make a jump for it to get one of those quarterbacks? It's the best possible world best possible scenario for the Bears. Now, they need, they're not going to draft a quarterback because of Justin Fields. Jalen Carter, Georgia defensive tackle, Will Anderson Jr., uh, edge rusher from uh, Alabama, the Lombardi winner this year. Mm-hmm. 
both those guys will look great in their defensive line. Now, if they like both of them, they could trade down to the fourth spot with the Colts and be guaranteed to get one of them. But the only way you're going to be guaranteed to get a guy you want is you take him there. But they're going to hope, okay, we got two teams from the AFC South. They're terrible. The division's terrible. They know if they get the quarterback right, they got a chance to rebuild in a hurry. So they're going to try to get both of them bidding against each other. The Texans have more to offer, but you don't want to. When you're bad and you need players, you don't want to be giving them up. If I were Casario, I would offer them picks in 2024. Like, uh, But on the other hand, if you like Stroud as much as Young, whatever the Texans do, they're going to find a way to leak it to the media that they want the guy they don't want. They may ultimately, <laughs> after the combine, the pro days, the private workouts, the lunches, the dinners, bringing in 30 players here, they may fall in love with C.J. Stroud. Or they may fall in love with Bryce Young. The only negative about Bryce Young is his size. They list him at six foot one ninety five. I'm told he's close to five ten. He weighs about one eighty. He's frail. He's thin. It's not being worried about him taking a big hit and being out. It's the wear and tear of a seventeen game season. And that's why I like the fact Davis Mills will still be on here. If Young got hurt, he had to play. He's got a lot of starting experience. It's like one of the priorities, I believe, for Casario. He's got to get a better backup running back. So if Damian Pierce gets nicked up and has to go to the bench, they can't have Royce Freeman or Rex Bleeping Burkhead or Daria Goomba Wiley. They got to do like a lot of teams and get a legitimate two. And that might be in free agency. It might be in a lower round. But that's a priority. And um, – and having money under the cap for the first time, they might be able to fill needs like, say, center and tight end. Although the way Jordan Aikens played, he deserves a new contract. And, and uh, Tegan Toriano, when he was healthy and got an opportunity, he looked Same. good. But That's I still good. think they need another tight end. But I wouldn't use a high draft choice on that. But uh, I think that when all said and done, you can't go wrong with either one of those quarterbacks. Let me ask you guys something. What if Casario tells uh, the McNairs, well, instead of drafting a quarterback high, uh, I don't really like any of them as franchise guys. How about we make a run at Jimmy Garoppolo? It's only money. We got money. We either trade down or we take one of the two great defensive players, and then if it doesn't work out, we're worried about the quarterback next year, or maybe Derek Carr gets cut and we go after Derek Carr, although I don't see either of those veteran quarterbacks coming to a rebuilding team, but I think that would be terrible. People would go crazy if they did that. What do you guys think? Well, me and Chris, we're both on the Bryce Young train, but we wouldn't mind Derek Carr coming here for a couple of years, you know, being a, a gap QB. Uh, maybe next year getting Caleb Williams or Ewers if, if he uh, pans out. But, BT, I'll let you take it. What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Bryce Young fan, and there's quite a, there's a few Texas fans like me that are basically really worried about his size um, and some of the issues that we've seen with his arm strength trying to throw – past 40 yards and stuff like that. So I'm also, I'm also a big Caleb Williams fan. 
So um, there are, you know, we're, we're a small, there are dozens of us, there, there, you know, there's not a lot of us, but um, there has been talk if we would take Jimmy Garoppolo or something and try to work our way up by uh, stacking up picks to get Caleb next year. I mean, that is something that some fans would like to do, but I understand that's not the majority. Uh, the majority want either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, and I can understand why. It's just not what I would say about 20% of fans don't want. I watched all but two games of Bryce Young this year, and I know what Bill Bryan thinks about him. Everybody's concerned about his size. But um, I saw him make a throw in against uh, Kansas State. There was about 50 yards that no NFL quarterback could make a better throw that he dropped it in perfectly mm-hmm. in the end zone. He doesn't have great arms. Arms not an issue. He's accurate. He's got great anticipation, pocket awareness. At this time of year, by going into the combine, everybody talks about size and arm strength. And when you succeed in the NFL, it's about accuracy, decision-making, performing under pressure, and he's got all that. But even if he's if he's 5'10 and a quarter, he doesn't have a big butt like Russell Wilson did. He doesn't have super speed and quickness like Kyler Murray. It will scare away a lot of teams. I have no idea what Casario thinks and won't. But I wouldn't have a problem with him or C.J. Stroud because I, I saw about six of Stroud's games, and I think I saw 10 or 11 of Bryce Young's. And uh, a lot about Bryce Young will be about Bill O'Brien, what he tells Casario. They're really tight. Mm-hmm. And Casario tried to hire him two times before he actually got him. first one was when Rick Smith retired. Everybody tried to say it's because of Jack Easterby. Jack. They didn't have a clue who Jack was when they tried him the first time. <laughs> Belichick said no. And then after Easterby came, they made another run at him. Belichick said no. Then the rules changed, and that's why they were able to get him. I was always interested about why Casario was so eager to get out of New England and come to Houston. Well, I found out because he and Bill were really tight from their four years together. And he was friends with Easterby. They'd been friends for six and a half years up there, but uh, he was eager to get here. Now I'm wondering, does he go? Is he ever wonder go? What in the world did I do? <laughs> right, uh, Chris. What do you think about Mr. McLean's uh, question? Do you, you like the Jimmy G option, or I know you're a Tyler Huntley guy. What, what, what's your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> I like the Derek Carr um, option. Um, he should have been our quarterback. You know, the clowny year. Um, but um, we didn't get him because I guess his brother. But at this point, we need a quarterback, a rookie. We need somebody that the fans could get behind, uh, somebody that we can grow with. Because we, you know, we haven't molded a quarterback and that stayed here long enough, you know, for us to feel it. Uh, I'm a Bryce Young guy, but you know, I'm looking more and more. The size is concerning. Um, VT, he put it in my head every day, every day, every day. I tell him no, 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 no. But I'm starting to get concerned about his size. So I think I'm liking the CJ guy more, um, especially since Nick said that, you know, his agent is all business. So I think I'm rolling with CJ over Bryce. And I can't believe I'm saying this. I know I'm going to get killed later on the test message and everything. But, hey. It is what it is right now. <laughs> like I said, I'm, I'm it could okay change because we got three and a half. We got over three months left in the evaluation process, and by the time it gets to the draft, they don't care what those guys did in college. Every year, it's what they do in shorts and t-shirts. It's what they do when they meet and they talk to them. That's why I think 
they should get rid of everything and make them watch game tape and make their decisions based on the tape like they did for decades. And now that's what's that thing? Uh, paralysis by over-analysis, and that's what it is. And my God, before the combine, during the combine, and from the combine to the draft, until Bryce Young starts playing, everybody's going to talk about his size. I interviewed Will Anderson Jr. when he was here in Juan Lombardi about what he thought he would do in the NFL and about his size. Of course, he thinks it's no issue. He's coming back down here for a benefit. I think I'm going to talk to him again. And uh, But, of course, he's going to say all that because he's his teammate. But we're not going to know. We will never know until he plays a while. You know, Tua Tagovailoa, he's wide, but he's been hurt every year going back to Alabama. And I do not want them to take a quarterback with a history of injuries. If it's, he blew out his knee one time, that's fine. But not a guy like Tua that's hurt every single year. What are we going to do when all is said and done? And Nick Casario wants to draft Will Levis from Kentucky with his second overall pick and passes up one of those quarterbacks. Woo. That's going to be a complete chaos in Houston. Mel Kuyper's got Levis number one. He's had him number one. Mel has made some outlandish, put outlandish grades on uh, quarterbacks throughout the years that he doesn't want to get feedback on how bad the pick turned out to be, but uh, he loves Will Levis. But the bottom line on all these experts, the experts that I like to follow are guys who were played in the NFL, coached, or were general managers in the NFL. Those are the ones I put the most stock in. Okay. Well, Mr. McClain, we, we appreciate you uh, coming on and talking to us. Do you mind if we ask you a couple questions about your career and, and yes, whatnot? anything you want. All right. Well, we'll start off with you, Chris. You got a uh, question for Mr. McClain? Yeah, I got a couple. Of, um, so how did it feel to win the um, Dick McCain Memorial Award, a.k.a. the Bill Nunn Award? And how did it feel to be inducted into the Texas Hall of Fame? And what was your best Aller moment? Uh, well, my worst Aller moment was Buffalo. <laughs> that was uh, – that just – I'll still never get over that. And I know if I don't, the players damn sure won't get over it. Mm-hmm. And I think the best – I asked Warren Moon. I was hosting a thing with him before the Texas Bowl. His best moment was their first playoff victory they had after he came to the Oilers in 87. I think they beat Denver here. He'd had, they see, 45 and 86 were awful. And then they won that first playoff game. I think my best moment with the Texans when they beat Cincinnati and they did it with a rookie quarterback, and they beat Andy Dalton, and J- the J.J. Watt phenomenon was born with that mm-hmm. interception return. I think that was the greatest moment. As far as being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, they wanted to – It's a, the Pro Football of America vote once a year to put one member out of over 300 in for the Dick McCann Knights to Bill T. Nunn Award, and they – they voted me that in 05 and I, I wouldn't do it because I said, you guys are voting for me because we just had the Super Bowl in Houston. I made sure the media got treated like royalty all over town. And uh, my wife, Carol said, boy, were you stupid? They'll never give you another <laughs> chance. But the next year they did in 06 and Carol and I rode in the parade in the middle of all the hall of famers in Canton. And it was incredibly exciting. I was up 
head table, the dais, multi-levels with all the Hall of Famers, Joe Schmidt, Detroit linebacker on one side, Raymond Berry, great Colts receiver, native Texan on the other side. And when I made my speech, I made it short because I knew they did not want to hear me. There's 7,000 people in the uh, Civic Center there listening, and it was an unbelievable honor. And I have to tell you guys, as a native Texan who grew up in Waco, was a diehard fan of the Southwest Conference, Baylor, the Cowboys, the Astros. And um, we put in one class of media in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. The late, great Dave Campbell, 40-year sports editor of the Waco Tribune Herald, who hired me going into my junior year at Baylor in 73, founder of Texas Football Magazine. He would not allow, as the head of our committee, anybody in the media. He said, we don't make the news, we report the news. One time, 16 years ago, he couldn't make our annual meeting where we determine who the finalists are. He had to go to a funeral, and he asked me if I would run the meeting. I said, sure. There were 28 of us there. And I said, guys, I said, since Dave's not here, why don't we put another class, put a class of media in here? The icons of Texas journalism, a one-time thing. And the head of the Hall of Fame said, what's against the bylaws? Can we change the bylaws? He read the bylaws. We could change them. We did. And we voted in from Houston, Mickey Herskowitz, columnist, Kern Tips, voice of the Southwest Conference forever. Uh, we had Blackie Sherrick, Dan Jenkins, Vern Lundquist, Dave Campbell, Frank Fallon, voice of Baylor, and Jack Dale, voice of Tech. And so we made that, and then we changed the bylaws back. And because we did all that, the meeting went long. Here comes Dave and his wife. Well, what are y'all still doing here? Well, we uh, it's been an extra long meeting. The room got real quiet. And Brad Sham, voice of the Cowboys, says, McLean, you tell him. And I didn't say anything. And Mr. Campbell goes, says, tell me what? And I, my voice got real high. I said, Mr. Campbell, we changed the bylaws, <laughs> and we voted in a class of media, and you're in it. <clears throat> he said, what? And I repeated it. No, no, we're not going to do that. We already did. It's against the bylaws. We changed them. Uh, well, we're just not going to do it. And his wife, Reba, comes over and whispers to me, said, honey, he loves it. He'll be there. And we did it in conjunction with the Touchdown Club of Houston at the JW Marriott at the gallery. And we said we'd never do it again. Fast forward 16 years. Head of the Hall of Fame says, let's do another media class. So they did. And I was not at that meeting in Waco because I had to do Texans. And I was sitting on my patio. And I get a call from two members of the committee from Houston, David Barron from the Chronicle and Melanie Hauser, former of the Post. And they said, guess what? I said, what? We've been at Waco in the meeting. I said, oh, I forgot that's today. He said, yeah. And she said, we voted uh, second media class in there and you're in it. And I was like in shock. And I said, I'm, I'm, how many? She said, eight. You're the only one not from Dallas and Fort Worth. So you're representing the, rest of the state. And we'll, we'll determine when the induction is. So I hung up the phone, walked in, told my wife, Carol, I said, you're not going to believe this. She said, what? I said, I just got voted into Texas Sports Hall of Fame. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. She said, that's not as big as Canton. I said, yes, it is. She said, no, it's not. I said, you're not from Texas. You wouldn't understand. And I went back out on the patio and sat down 
I'm getting emotional telling you guys. Sat down and started thinking about my late father and how much he made me love the sports and getting involved in this business. I started crying like a baby. And then when we had the induction last year, I thought, sure, I was not going to be able to stand up in front of that crowd and talk about my late father without breaking down, but I managed to do it. And uh, those two to be in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, one of only 14 in the history of our state, is an unbelievable honor. But, boy, Canton is the ultimate. And uh, I can't wait. We're not going to wait another 16 years to put another media class in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame because there's too many deserving people. Thank you guys for letting me tell that story. Yeah, an unbelievable story. We, we even got a, a comment that says, Great story, General. Congratulations. Give me goosebumps there. Uh, VT, what about you? You got a question for uh, Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's a non football question, actually. Um, what I want to know is what movie did you like being in the best? And, <laughs> and if you had your choice, what movie do you really wish you could have been in, and what role would it have been? Well, I'll tell you this. I ask people, if you were marooned on a desert island for the rest of your life, what would be the movie that you'd have to watch over and over and over? And mine would be The Godfather. And my second choice would be Pulp Fiction. Godfather was 72. Pulp Fiction was 94. And every time they're on TV, I watch them or I watch certain segments. Watched a uh, part of uh, Pulp Fiction again last night about one in the morning. I met Quentin Tarantino in L.A., and I think he's brilliant. And if I could have been in a movie, because I heard they had so much fun, and I think it's a classic, if I couldn't have a nude love scene with some of my favorite actresses, I would have to say uh, Pulp Fiction. And the one that I had the most fun in, I've been in nine, and uh, because I had connections. And uh, the Longest Yard remake, I was covering a uh, Broncos-Falcons game in Denver, came back on Monday morning, got on the airport for L.A. I got to L.A. There's a limo driver waiting for me, Mr. McClain. Went out there, take me to my hotel. And the reason I got in those movies, beginning with The Rookie, is I told the producers that I met, two young guys, instead of having extras in your scenes, let's get some media people who will help publicize your movie when it comes out. And they had never thought about that. I said, well, do you have any? I said, yeah. <laughs> so me? <laughs> I, those two young producers didn't give me the time of day uh, for most of the rookie filming when I would go outside Austin. It was an off season and hang out because the director, John Lee Hancock's Baylor grad, who's a big time director now, this was in, this would have been in 93 or four. And so, um, when we went to Dallas to shoot the scene in which uh, Dennis Quaid comes out of the bullpen as Jim Morris, the oldest rookie, and they're shooting the press box. And uh, and uh, nobody recognizes me anymore because I weighed like 180. And it was so much fun to do that. And a guy comes up to the press box, and he has a rack of ties. And I said, what's that? He said, it's ties for the sports writers. I said, we don't wear ties. This is baseball sports writers. They're in the summer. They're hot. They're sweaty. They're stinky. And he goes, but the script says, and the second director said, hey, they're the pros. If they think you shouldn't do it, you don't do it. And I had a blast because those the day we got to Dallas, 
There was a column in the Dallas Morning News sports section, front page, Fort Worth Star-Telegram front page. I'm going to be in a movie thanks to my good friend John McClain. When I got to that set at the Rangers ballpark, those two producers, hey, come sit in our seats. <laughs> and so they put me in a bunch more movies, Mark Chiardi and Gordon Gray, and I always appreciate it. And I had the most fun on the longest yards. So I go to my suite. We go to the set on the Sony lot, and uh, we and I had brought in to help publicize it, Adam Schefter, who was working for the Denver paper, Brian Burwell, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Jay Glazer, uh, Larry Wiseman, USA Today, Peter King. And I wanted guys that were going to publicize it. And uh, they did. And there was one scene where we were doing it, and the director's on the ground crawling around. So, okay, here's your scene. You're going to see Adam. He's going to fake out Bosworth. He's going to fake out Romanowski. And he's going to store a touchdown. And I want you all guys to stand up and high five each other and cheer. We didn't say a word. And they looked at me and I said, well, we can't do that. Why not? There's no cheering in the press box. They announced that before every game. He says, but it's in the script. I said, we can't do it. We'd be run out of the business. Our friends, would we'd be humiliated. Adam Sandler comes around the corner and says, hey, they're the sports writers. If they don't do it, then they don't do it. And we didn't. And then afterward, we hung out with Adam. We had our own trailers. It was just so much fun being on that set. If you've seen that movie with all the characters, the athletes, Burt Reynolds couldn't have been nicer. He was one of my heroes in the 60s and the 70s. I just had so much fun doing the remake of The Longest Yard. And I had a blast doing all the movies I've done, including Cook County, which was done up in mm -hmm. it's about crystal meth addicts. And I was Uncle J.D. and I was on Pike. Three people who was not a crystal meth addict. And so I've had fun. And people say, you got any movies? And nope, why not? I got a bad agent. Well, switch. Well, I'm my agent. And those producers called me one time a few years later and said, you know, if you lose a little weight, uh, we could get you in more movies. And obviously, I didn't want to be in more movies. And I got one more movie quest story. I fell and broke my left shoulder and had to have it replaced in 2018 right before training camp. And they replaced it down to my elbow. And I had to wear this contraption. And I was miserable. Sleep standing, sitting up for three years. So I'm on in front of the TV, and it's in early July, and a number pops up on my phone. It's an L.A. number. I don't know who it is. I'm bored. I answer it. He says, it's John McLean. I said, yes. He said, my name is Albert something. I'm from Lake Jackson, and I grew up listening to you on the radio and reading your columns in the Chronicle, and I own a talent agency in L.A., and my wife just had a movie on, and I heard your voice. I would know your voice anywhere. And I said, well, what was the movie? Spring Breakers. And you were judged. So I got your number. I'd like to fly you out here tomorrow and have you uh, play a part in uh, one life. One, let's see. One of the, what's the most uh, young and the restless? Now, I don't know any soap operas, but I know they'd been on forever. And I said, Albert, my God, I would love to, but I can't fly. I can't drive keep my number, give me another chance at some point, never heard from him again, and I can't tell people, man, I was on the Young and the Restless. Wow, that's great. Never knew that one.
know. Oh, John, I got two questions. They're both from our sister podcast, the ANC South Fan Battle Podcast. Our, ho- uh, our host wanted me to ask you this one. What is taking so long to get Fred Taylor into the Hall of Fame? Well, Fred didn't make the finals this year, and uh, I don't know. They, we get a list originally of like 125 people, and then we start cutting it down. When I say us, the committee of 48, we do it online. And then we get down to a list of of um, 25 semifinalists, and that's when we make a big deal out of it. I say we. I'm talking about the Hall of Fame. And then we vote to the, get the 15 finalists plus the senior finalists and a contributor slash or coach finalist. This year's Don Coriel. And so Fred Taylor was in the 25. He didn't get to the 15. Hmm. We had not put a running backs. Ricky Waters was deserving. There's several backs, but it's almost like today you got to stand out. And there's some things Fred Taylor did. Other than Bo Jackson, I've never seen a combination of a big back, 230 pounds, who could run like Fred Taylor. I think eventually Fred will get in. I just have no idea when it'll be. Okay. And this is another one uh, from the AOC South and the Jaguar. Uh, I just started writing sports reporter for my local newspaper. It's nothing big, but sports section is what sells the ads and is the better butter of the company. What golden nugget could you provide to a newbie such as myself with hopes of building a career even half as, as successful as yours? Well, let me tell you how I started. I, when I teach it, when I talk at schools, the teachers want me to tell how I got to where I am. He said, because the kids can't imagine being where you are. So when I was in Waco, I was a terrible student. I mean, terrible. When I got out of high school, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. I was just a diehard sports fan in bed. I was since my first, I was a Cub Scout in 1960, went to my first Baylor game. They beat Colorado and then the Astros started in 62, Cowboys and Oilers in 60. And I fell in love with sports and I always loved baseball. And uh, I, I, uh, so I go to McLennan Junior College in Waco with the idea of taking classes, easy classes at transfer to Baylor, which was hard. One of the smartest things I ever did. So somebody tells me the easy class is introduction to mass communications. I said, what is that? He said, I didn't know. It was just a big class. You didn't get called on. You just had to listen. So I went in there, and it was a huge class. And I'm sitting next to a guy, and we started talking about football. And he says, you seem to know a lot about football. I said, I know more about football than anybody in Waco. And he said, is that right? So he comes back the next day and he says, would you be interested in working Friday night football at the Waco paper? I said, what is that? He said, where we bring in some people at 8 o'clock to 12 o'clock and you have forms and correspondents from games are going to call you and you fill out the form with who scored, who threw what pass, and then you bring it into the sports department, give it to the sports writers to write. I said, how much did it pay? $25. I said, I'm in. <laughs> so I did that, and I noticed at midnight, everybody out in the newsroom doing what I did left like clockwork. But the sports writers would stay until about 2 o'clock, so I would hang around. And then I start talking to them, and I got to know them. And one of the things that I learned then is to network to talk to as many people as you can. <clears throat> because of email and direct messaging today, you can reach out to people. I don't know many people don't want to help people 
that want to be helped. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would say you write as much as you can. There's no limitations of space in cyberspace. So you write as much as you can. There's no excuses to have mistakes because of Google. I use it constantly. And uh, so know your subject. And anytime you can be somewhere where a person might be able to help you, whether it's something you're writing about, whether it's somebody speaking somewhere, go see them, anybody in the media business. And that doesn't mean just writing. It could be radio, TV. When I started doing radio here in 76, Jerry Tupiano, Tupiano, the godfather of sports talk in Houston, used to call me mm-hmm. mega media star because I did more than one thing and I always got a big kick out of it. But my professor I had at Baylor, who I trusted the most, said never waste a chance on talking to people and asking questions who are where you want to be. And I still do that today. Oh, all right. Well, guys, anything else before we let Mr. McLean go? I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Uh, this was like one of the best shows we've had because you were able to say so much about so many different things. So I just want to personally just say thank you really a lot for coming on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure, guys. I appreciate it. I love talking about sports and the Texans. And I could sit here and tell you guys stories for 24 hours. <laughs> and when you get old, and you've been in the business as long as I have. I told somebody, all oh, you yeah, have a lot of stories. I went to the national championship game in L.A. Mattress Mac gave us a charter plane. Jackie Sherrill was one of the people on there. Longtime A&M and Pitt coach, Mississippi State. Jackie has so many great stories. Flight was about three hours and 15 minutes. And we're like, boom, we're there because we were mesmerized by Jackie's stories. And I love telling them. And if you guys want me on any time, you just let me know, and I'd be happy to do it. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're trying to get Mattress Mac to come on as well, too. So maybe one day we can hear one of his stories. Uh, Chris, do you have anything you want to say to Good luck with that. That's one busy man. One busy <laughs> man, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris, do uh, you have anything? Um, no, I was going to ask John, so um, how's the soda weight loss been going? <laughs> I have uh, been doing that. When I retired from the Chronicle, I did it for two reasons. Number one, I've been doing it for 47 years, and my routine during the season. Oh, it looks like we might have lost it. And then, uh, did I lose you? Yeah, we lost you there for you a second. You guys there? Yeah, we're here. Okay, I'm back. I, yes, sir. I did it to do commercials, and I went to the sales staff, and I said, I would like to do soda weight loss because I saw Ron Hughley lose over 100, Sean Pendergast lose between 40 and 50. I've lost 40. My goal is 70, and uh, it's been great. Thank you for asking. Awesome. All right. Well, John, why don't you tell us where we can find your great stuff uh, for those that don't know and where we can find you on social media. GalleriesSports.com, it's free, 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 no paywall. And uh, SportsRadio610.com, it's also free. I do six shows a week on there, 11 overall in five cities. And Sean Pendergast and I do three podcasts a week called Utopia. It's on SportsRadio610.com. And I do a video once a week with Masters Mac talking about what's going on in Houston and pro sports. Guys, thank you so much.
Oh, no, the, the honor is all of ours. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we'll go ahead to do this again. Uh, are you going to be at the draft this year, Mr. McCray? All right. Well, we're going to be. Uh, the nope, only place I wanted. Only place. Okay. I've been to draft so much. The only place I want to travel is the owner's meeting in the combine. Okay. Well, all right. We're, we're going to be at the draft, so we thought maybe we'll see you there, but maybe maybe next time. Have a lot of fun. All yeah, right. Well, thank you. Thank you thank for coming you. on. Have a good night. My pleasure. All right, guys. Well, let's finish this off. Uh, BT, tell us where we can find your stuff and your social media. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Brown Chubby Bear. You can find me on Reddit at Chubby Brown Bear. Um, check out our YouTube. Um, if you're not watching this on YouTube, I started a cool series called um, Another VT Rant. It's been going quite well. So hopefully you guys can check that out. Um, go ahead, Crenshaw. Oh, look at him doing my job for me. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Fifth Ward, Crenshaw, everywhere. All right. And look at that mug. His daughter made him for his birth uh, for Christmas. Man, she's Talented, bro. Um, you can find the podcast, the Texas Fan Battle, everywhere. All social media at Texas Fan Battle. Guys, make sure you check in next week because just like today, we have another legend, the greatest quarterback in Texas history, Matt Schaub. Uh, so make sure you tune in next week. And guys, you can find me at A1 Day One Texans everywhere. And we hope you have a good night and we'll see you next week. We cover all the topics. Go Texas. I know you want to score, but ID gonna stop it. We from Texas. So that means that we Texans. Breaking down the X's and O's, our profession. No complaining, just training. You see the progression. They had a Pro Bowl for talk shows. We get selected. We gonna celebrate every win like a birthday. Ray J with the news. First with all the updates. Spin move on the competition. Yeah, we just.